Y'all impressed me. I, I, I'm sorry that I had low expectations and didn't put out enough chairs today. See, this is what happens. You know, it, preachers, we always try to inflate numbers. And this time I was actually, you know, bringing them down. And y'all are like, no, 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 preacher. I'm going to show you up. I appreciate that. There are a few times I like being wrong. This is one of those times. We're going to be together, though, in the book of 1 Samuel. We're going to go to chapter 3. It's going to be on the screen behind me, but you can also close your eyes and let the word of the Lord wash over you if you want. You can pull out your phone if you want to read it on your phone. If you brought your own Bible, I'm going to give you just a second to get there. It's going to be 1 Samuel chapter 3. This is the lectionary passage for today from the Old Testament. We don't always use a lectionary. Typically, we're doing series around here. and We'll start a new one next week about uncommon good, about how we can do an uncommon good in the world. And we uh, want you to, to, to join us for those three weeks. But when we're not in the series, what we try to do is use the lectionary. And it's a, it's a three-year prescription of how to go through the Bible in worship through three years. And as a lot of people around the world are using a lectionary every week. And so during these off weeks, we use a lectionary. And so if you want to read the passages that go along with this, uh, just go check it out. You can go type it in on Google, Revised Common Lectionary or Church Lectionary, and it'll show you that, that there's a psalm reading that goes with this. There's a Luke passage that goes with this. There's an epistle lesson. And every week we have scriptures that all line up together. And today I, I was really drawn to this first Samuel passage. I love this section of the Bible. Anything from, from first Samuel to, to the end of second Chronicles, that, that whole monarchy narrative, is just, they're real fun to me. Well, this is where it begins. This is kind of the beginning of the stories of David and Saul and Solomon. It all started before they were even born. Um, with a guy named Eli and a boy named Samuel. All right, here we go. Uh, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet got out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called for me. But Eli said, I didn't call for you. Go back and lie down. So he went and laid down. Again, and the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son Eli said, My son Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And so a third time, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and he went to Eli. He said, here I am. You called me. All right, I'm adding on the, I'm just imagining, right? I'm adding on the tone. Here I am. You called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. And so Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and he laid down in this place. The Lord came and he stood there calling as other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. And together we say, thanks be to God. Before we dive in this morning and before I say, I'm the, you know, the prayer I pray after I read the scripture every week is always the same. It's called the prayer of illumination that God would open our eyes. And that to me is at the beginning. The sermon is now beginning. When I pray the prayer of illumination, that's what, and so before we do that, I do want to just make one special word of thanks to all the people who volunteer all the time. I'm always grateful for you. If you are interested, we need you. Obviously on weeks like this, particularly, if you're like, I can't serve every month, once a week, once a month, uh, maybe once every so often, if you'll be in the reserves, we could have used, you know, an extra live stream person today. Um, 
But there's one person who's been so faithful for so many years who has done more um, for this role of volunteering than I think I've done in any of my jobs at this church. And it is his last Sunday executing this role. And so, John Bailey, we are going to miss you running these lights for us. You have been a, a godsend to this church, both you and Jan, for so long. I'm going to miss Jan because I don't know what I'm going to do in my life. She's our pastoral administrator, and she runs my schedule. Um, and so we're going to miss both of you. But what you've done for this worship service in both settings over many years, as he was, he was describing it this morning, we started out with four small little lights and a laptop that barely worked. And he would program those four lights just as faithful as he does all these lights now. And so there's nobody who can fill your shoes, John, but we're going to do our best to continue your legacy of shining God's light to this world. So can we get up for John Bailey? Yeah. We love you, brother. I, I, I've threatened to, to slash Jen's tires so they couldn't leave enough times now that it hadn't worked. And so I guess they're actually going. But our prayers are with you. And, and we'll send them off in a couple of weeks with a prayer of blessing. But this is his last time running the lights for us. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. May it always be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Attention is a funny thing. What do you think? If a person gets too much attention, they can really mess them up. And if a person gets too little attention, they can also really mess them up. I mean, think about all the celebrities whose lives have been ruined by getting too much attention. And then think about all the sad stories of people whose lives have been ruined because they never felt like they had any attention from their parents or their friends, their family. There are many places in our lives where getting attention matters more than we tend to realize. For example, when you're trying to begin a romantic relationship, you're hoping to get somebody's attention, right? I mean, I one time burned a CD for a girl and put it in her locker to try to get her attention. It didn't work because I chickened out and didn't put my name on it. I was hoping I'd have enough courage that when she opened it, I would say, yes, that was me who put that Notting Hill soundtrack in your, in your locker. I did not, and to this day, she doesn't know who did it. <laughs> Politicians are trying to get our attention, aren't they? All the time. I mean, the reason why we complain and lament about discourse and politics, about how it deteriorates over time, is because as something gets said that was one time considered outlandish, and that becomes normalized, Somebody has to say something even more outlandish in order to get your attention. And as a parent, I have learned just how difficult attention can be to garner. I tell you what, I swear there have been times where I've called my daughter's name five or six times in a row with no response. I'd be like, August, August, August Rose, August Rose, listen to me. I mean, kids all know. And we all know as kids, then when the middle and the last name start getting used, that's about time. Like when somebody, I got my middle name called a lot. When my mom would say, Woods Bradshaw, that meant it was my cue for yielding my attention to my mother and away from my Game Boy or reruns of Boy Meets World or whatever it was I was doing. Attention is a funny thing. 
but it's a key part of the scripture lesson we just read, and it is a big part of God's calling on our lives. When we pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 3, we're coming to the end of the time of the judges over Israel. Moses has led the people out of Egypt. He has passed away. Joshua comes as a leader, and he leads them into the promised land. And once Joshua dies, we have this time of the judges, where the people are ruled over by these various individuals. None of them are kings. They are judges. And some of these judges are warriors. Some are politicians. Some are prophets. Some were all three. And in this story, we come to the end of Eli's guidance over Israel. And we meet the boy Samuel. This is a story where Samuel receives his calling as Eli's successor, the one who's going to guide the people. We're told that the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli, and in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. I mean, that is to say, the people are no longer being guided by pillars of fire through the desert. No longer are there plagues coming down from heaven or water coming from rocks. The people are not encountering God in awesome feats of power that they had previously witnessed collectively. Instead, the word of God was coming as occasional visions to specific individuals. It wasn't coming to the masses, but through one person. Eli was one of these individuals. One night, He was old and he wasn't able to see well anymore. And he was laying down and Samuel was laying down nearby in the house of the Lord. And all of a sudden, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel, thinking Eli was in the room, woke up and he sat up and he said, here I am. But Eli wasn't there. So he got up and he ran to Eli's room and he said, here I am. You called? But Eli said, I didn't call you. Go lay back down. So he went and laid back down. And then again, it happened that the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel, once again, thinking he was Eli, got up and ran to Eli's room and said, hey, here I am, you called me. And Eli, once again, said, I did not call you, go go lay back down. And the Bible says that Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. That means he has not encountered God before. He doesn't know what he's hearing. He knew about God, but he didn't know God. Eli was the one who received the revelations and Samuel was the one who learned about them. And so then a third time, God speaks to Samuel. He says, hey, Samuel. And if you're Samuel at this point, you're probably thinking either I'm going crazy or Eli's just being rude. But he used to, he got up and he went to Eli and he said, here I am, you called me. And that's when Eli realized what was going on. He said, the Lord is calling you. Go lay back down. And if he calls you again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And that's what he did. Samuel went and lay back down and the Lord came and he stood there and he called him as he had the times before saying, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, your servant is listening. You know, this is the story of Samuel's calling, but it could very well be the story of almost any of our callings. This could be the textbook template for what it looks like to encounter God. The main difference today is that we no longer believe that God is only revealing himself to one person at a time. But in Jesus, God has and will continue to reveal himself to everyone at any time. God's not just speaking to one person or through the pastor or to the, this special privileged group. It, it's for everybody. 
God's word is for all of us all the time. And as we think about that fact, as we realize that God is actually speaking into your life, calling you, I think it's helpful to look at this story and realize there's some things we can learn about callings, about the nature of encountering Christ. The first is that God initiates the encounter, and it's often when we're not expecting it. I, I bet you're like me. I'm just guessing. Do you wish that God operated on our time schedule? Because I sure do. It would be nice. Like if we got a plan for the day and we need God to say whatever it is he's going to say during the five specific minutes I have available before I fall asleep because I've got other things going on. I can squeeze my prayer time into these few minutes so God be sure to speak into this moment or else I'm not going to hear it because I've got this is my time. God, you can speak on my schedule. That'd be great. And maybe it's not the time of day, but maybe it's the day of a season, right? There are plenty of times in our lives where we have big decisions to make or we're trying to discern something important and we wish God would just hurry up and tell us what we're supposed to do. That'd be way easier, right? Hey God, can you be my magic genie? Just answer my question. I got this wish. I need you to just, you know, tell me. I've been waiting for a sign for days, for weeks. And it just, it doesn't seem like God seems to understand deadlines because that's not how callings work. Samuel was just minding his own business, laying down when God showed up at a time he was not expecting or anticipating. Friends, we cannot dictate how or when God speaks. It's God who chooses to reveal himself to us, but we do have common places we look for him through prayer, through coming to worship, through conversations with friends and family, through reading our Bible, the consistent grace that is found in the sacraments. I've encountered God in all those places, and I hope that you have too. I pray that you will. But I don't encounter God the same way each time. I can't force God to speak just because I show up. That doesn't mean that I'm making God do what I want God to do. In fact, there are times where I'm just comforted by the experience of searching, of coming to worship and praying, and I, ne- I don't necessarily hear any new word from the Lord. And that's okay. It may be because he's not speaking something new at that moment, or maybe because he's speaking something and I don't yet understand it. Which brings me to the second quality of callings. The first is that God initiates them, and they're often the times we don't expect. And the second is we might not understand what God is saying. Samuel had no idea what was going on. He thought it was his teacher in the other room that was hollering for him. And not only did he not understand it the first time, he didn't understand it after the second time or even after the third time. It was only when Eli explained to him what was happening that he was then able to understand what to look for, what God was doing. It almost sounds cliche to say this, uh, but the Lord works in mysterious ways. It's a true thing. I use it all the time, sometimes anecdotally, but it's a real belief of ours that God works in sometimes ways that we can't understand. It's mysterious. And perhaps it's by uh, presenting us with a viewpoint that is other than our own, something that is other than what we already thought. And so we don't recognize it as God because it's different. We don't understand it. Or maybe it's because God's not opening the doors that we're convinced we're supposed to walk through. That can't be God. God wants me to do this. And so we don't realize it. We don't understand it. Perhaps God is speaking to you in a sermon that you thought was for somebody else. Have you ever had one of those moments? I have. I want to be real honest. 
Somebody offered a convicting sermon, and I'm sitting there thinking, oh, I know who needs to hear this. I'm going to go copy the link to the live stream. I'm going to text it to my friend Joe Blow because they have been struggling with this, and, and this sermon is for them. When probably the truth was God had a word for me. And I was just thinking about how somebody else. I'm not saying you shouldn't be encouraging and try to you know, send things to people, with, but maybe when you think something for somebody else because you're missing, it's for you. Maybe God is offering a new conviction in your own heart and in your own life. The best thing we can do when we think God might be speaking, but we don't understand it, or if we're unsure if God is speaking at all, is to talk to wise people. That's who Eli was for Samuel. Talk to people you trust. Bounce ideas. It's okay to tell somebody, I think God is saying something to me. Or, I don't hear God at all. It's okay to say both of those things. I hope that there is someone in your life who can be Eli for you, Samuel. Who can help you, who's had the wisdom of somebody who's been there before. The wisdom of, of having had the same struggles, of having to learn the same lessons. Oh, there are godly counselors that you will listen to so that you can discern what God might be saying to you because I believe God is saying something. Because I believe in Jesus, I know that the Holy Spirit is at work in your life saying something. And those things might change over time. They might be consistent. It might be multiple somethings. There's a lot about the nature of callings and God speaking into our life. And if you don't think there's anything for you, I think you're wrong. And I think you need to discern, and it's okay to ask for help. If you don't have those people in your life, I'd be happy to be it. So would any of your other pastors. Michael, Wilson, Kathy, we'd love to talk to you about how the Holy Spirit might be speaking. But I know there's also other people already in this room who would love to do the same. It doesn't have to be a pastor. It could be a friend. It could be somebody you've heard is really cool. You've never met them. But you ask them for coffee, and be like, hey, I want to hear about your faith journey because here's what's going on in mine. So God initiates. Sometimes we don't understand it. And the other thing about callings is this, is that even if you find what God is saying, that doesn't mean that immediate action is required. God might be speaking into your life just so that he can know you more and you can know him. When we think of God's callings, we tend to think like, oh, God is telling me I must go do something. I have to go. He's sending me somewhere. God is telling me to get up and act. And that might very well be the case sometimes, but it wasn't for Samuel. Samuel's very first encounter with the Lord was this. I mean, read, read the rest of the chapter if you want. But he says, here is what I am going to do. That's what he tells Samuel. He didn't tell Samuel, here's what you should do. The Lord tells Samuel, see what I am doing. There's no action there. There's no sending, no battle plans or destination. It's simply of word, the word of the Lord telling Samuel what's going to happen, what God is up to. Perhaps that's what we all need. In a world where we're always trying to figure out what we can do next, where we're never satisfied where we are, where people are trying to get us up to go do something, maybe you just need to hear the Lord speak into your life and to say, hey, look what I'm already doing. Look what is already going on without you. Let me invite you into the story. 
We're always trying to figure out how, God, tell me how to spend my money. Tell me what school I should go to. Tell me what job I should take. Where's my next action step? Where's my five-year plan? Perhaps you just need to listen and hear, and God say, see, this is what I'm up to. There's one more thing, though, about callings. One last thing. It's not so much about the practice of listening as it relates to the nature of what is being said. The last thing to know about God's callings on our lives is that you need to be prepared for them to be challenging. Even if there's no action required, that doesn't mean it's going to be easy to hear. They could be convicting. They could be transformational. They can make you change your life or just the way you think. The Bible is very specific about why Eli's time has come to an end and why Samuel's is beginning. In the chapter right before this, it says, Eli's sons have treated the offerings of the Lord with contempt. They were doing a lot of bad things they should not be doing, and the Lord was not happy about it. So they couldn't inherit their, their father's work. They were not going to be the new prophets of Israel. The Bible never says that Eli was a bad person. But it does say that he was condemned for failing to act and stop his sons. He saw the corruption and he couldn't discipline them. He was their father and he just let it go. So God brought somebody else to take his place. He said that Eli's family are going to be brought down for their wrongdoings. I'm going to raise somebody else to do the work that I need done that I want to be done on earth. And if you're the boy Samuel, how hard must this be to hear? I mean, Eli took Samuel in after Samuel was dedicated to the Lord at birth. So he's raising him. He's his father figure. He's his teacher, his mentor. He put, he put all of his trust in this man. He's learning from him this whole life. And he just finds out that God's going to bring down his, his mentor and replace him with Samuel. No wonder Samuel's nervous to tell him at the end of the chapter what God had said to him. And this prophecy God gives Samuel should be humbling for all of us because it's a reminder that when it comes to the work of the Lord, when it comes to God's justice in the world, there are no laurels to rest on. There's no, I did that, so now let me get my rewards and just do whatever I want. Eli stopped acting against injustice. He stopped doing what God called him to do. And so God raised up somebody else to do it. God brought someone in to take his place. God's word might be challenging for us to hear. It was definitely challenging for Eli to hear and for Samuel. But as Christians, I will say we do have good news. We know that because of Jesus, God will never leave us or forsake us. God will never abandon us to our mistakes or because of them. The Bible is very clear that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. So whatever mistakes we make, that doesn't mean that God loves us any less or that you're any less deserving of God's grace or that God will not be there to comfort you and support you. But being loved by God and being called by God are not one and the same. God's love may never change, but what he asks of us very well can. If God has called you to lead and you fail to do so, that doesn't mean he's going to give up on you, but he's also not going to give up on whatever it is he called you to do. He'll just raise somebody else up. 
There is no entitlement to a role or an office or a volunteer position when it comes to helping build the kingdom of God. If a leader fails, we should be held accountable. And if we all as individuals hear God's calling but refuse to accept it, we shouldn't be upset when it passes us by and is offered to somebody else. I think sometimes we believe that we deserve everyone else's attention, that we deserve God's attention because I went to church this week, so God needs to do me a favor or whatever it might be. We, we feel this level of give us this attention because of our self-righteousness. I don't know. That's not how callings work. God calls us in ways we don't expect and in manners we don't always understand, typically in some of the most humble moments of our lives. And they don't always make sense, and they can be very challenging. But if God calls us to something, it's because he raised us up to do it. Because God has given us the gifts and believes enough in us that we can accomplish this work for God in this world. God is preparing you to do and to be great things. I promise you this. God wants to give you his attention. God wants to know you. God wants to speak to you. God wants to, you to know the callings of your life, who to be, where to go, what to do, how to hear. But more than that, he wants you to give him your attention. Callings start by listening, by saying, here I am, speak. Your servant is listening. And when we hear God's words for our lives, then what starts as attention evolves into an invitation. An invitation to be more known by God and to have a chance to serve. When we hear God's word and give God our attention, we will be led in the directions to do and to be all that God desires for us which is greater than anything that we can desire for ourselves or anybody else that's asking for your attention. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Yeah.